On today's show, David's on the beach sipping Mai Tais this week, so I'm in the studio talking about what the Hornets need in 2017, plus a recap of this Cavaliers game and a preview of tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do in an entire day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this beautiful Monday morning. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. Whenever you need it, wherever you need it, we are here. I'm Doug Branson. David is on vacation this week, so today at least I'm riding solo. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. There's one for every NBA team, one for every NFL team. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Check it out. Also, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things for us. Please, if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, please do that. Get these uh, podcasts in your on your mobile device of choice every morning, every weekday morning. And then also tell a friend. We, we definitely grow through word of mouth. We don't do traditional advertising, so we really depend a lot on your help getting the word out about the absolute 100% best Hornets talk you can find anywhere. Okay, got a big show ahead. We're going to recap this Cleveland Cavaliers game, plus preview this game coming up tonight against the Chicago Bulls. And I'm going to talk briefly about what I think the Hornets need to look for in 2017. Okay, let's go all the way. Before we do that, let's go all the way back to 2016 Hornets taking on the Cavs on New Year's Eve. No Kyrie Irving for the Cavaliers. No Marco Bellinelli for the Hornets. Both of those cats dealing with injuries. The Cavs and the Hornets battled back and forth early in this one, but it was the Cavaliers' three-point shooting and the Hornets' inability to shoot the three that really decided this game. The Cavaliers had a fairly comfortable lead throughout. The Hornets did make runs at the end of the second and the middle of the fourth quarter, but LeBron James, he's good, guys. And Kevin Love combined to go 8 of 16 from deep. And Jordan McRae not helping things much, adding three out of his four three-point attempts. Kay Felder knocked down two of two for good measure. Who? Kay Felder? Yeah, I don't know either. But he knocked down two of two three-pointers, part of just a barrage of outside shooting from the Cavaliers. We talked about that in the preview, by the way. We knew that was coming. The Cavaliers, the second-best team in the league in terms of three-point makes, three-point percentage, and they take a lot as well. They're, they are, it's not, I'm sure people in Cleveland and I'm sure people around that division widely know that that's the case, but I'm not sure that's a league-wide accepted nationally thing that the Cleveland Cavaliers are a really, really good three-point shooting team and that LeBron James is a much improved three-point shooter. But both of those things certainly the case on uh, on New Year's Eve. But a couple of a couple of Hornets had good games as well. Kimball Walker had thirty seven points on thirteen of twenty two shooting. He was crucial in that twenty to five second quarter run that had the Hornets back in the game after being down nineteen. It was a hell of a run by the Hornets, and it was led by Kimball Walker specifically. 
Kimba Walker getting to the rim and finishing, but it wasn't enough. Hornets lose to the Cavaliers 129-109. to The Hornets are now 0-6 against the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Cavaliers. They sit in fourth in the Eastern Conference, now just a game up on the surging Atlanta Hawks in the Southeast, and the Hawks getting a big win against San Antonio last night, so they continue uh, to improve on their... It was a little uh, rocky for the Hawks early in the season, but they've picked things back up. Cliff, Steve Clifford, after the game, uh, saying that, look, you know, this team doesn't have enough firepower, doesn't have enough of that superstar talent to just get by with even good defense. They've got to have great defense, and, and they can't allow the Cleveland Cavaliers to shoot 14 of 31 from three. And really, a lot of that damage was done in the first half when they scored 71 points because the Cavaliers went 2 of 13 in the second half. So the Hornets' defense tightened up. But by then, a lot of that damage had been done because after that 20-5 to 5 run that I mentioned to get the Hornets back into the game, the Cavaliers went on a 9 to nothing run at the end of that first half to really catapult themselves. And yeah, I agree. obviously I agree with the, the principle that Steve Clifford was getting at, that this team has to be great. It's not good enough for this team to be good offensively. They're not, they don't have the firepower to outshoot teams, especially with how they're shooting the three-pointer right now, which is not good. So they're going to have to lock down on defense. When they hold opponents to under 100 points, they have a significantly better chance to win the basketball game than when they don't. They win defensive battles. They lose offensive battles, and especially against good teams, better teams than them in the East. They've lost those games, and a lot of those games have been shootouts. So the Hornets have to improve. But for this particular game, I just thought that the, the Cavaliers played, you know, we've, we're getting the best performances from these Eastern Conference teams. If nothing else, it should prepare the Hornets if they are able to make the playoffs and win a first-round playoff series. It should prepare them for a possible second-round confrontation with any of these teams. Because we're getting the absolute best performances from these basketball teams, and I think that was the case against the Cavaliers. I mean, LeBron James was 12 of 25 for 32 points, had 44 in his last matchup with the Hornets, playing really – it's just a – I said it in the preview. This is a tough – the Cavaliers are a tough matchup for any team in the league, but they're an especially tough matchup for the Hornets because they don't have a significantly great answer to what LeBron James brings to the basketball court. MKG, he had a little bit of a reputation as a LeBron stopper early on, but I just don't think one-on-one, we saw LeBron get in some one-on-one matchups with MKG, and LeBron was able to back him down and really get the look that LeBron wanted to get. And sometimes he knocked it down, sometimes he didn't, but where he really killed the Hornets was just in the pick and roll. And especially, I pinpoint the end of that first half. When the Hornets had gone on that big run, were back in the game, and they just went LeBron, high pick and roll, ball handler, and, and he had just his way with the team. They had to sit Cody Zeller with three fouls. They bring in Spencer Hawes instead of Roy Hibbert, 
because mainly because they they had both LeBron and Kevin Love on the floor, and you needed a little bit more movement underneath to deal with that pick and roll action. But it wasn't enough. LeBron was able to get to the rim at will, get fouled, and then the big play, my key moment for this game, the Hornets down 57-52, Hornets had climbed all the way back, and th- again, LeBron starts running this high pick and roll over and over, but this the second time, he gets to the middle of the floor, Frank Kaminsky slides over too much to help stop his penetration, and left Kevin Love free to slide to the corner where LeBron found him for a wide-open three. You can't, you can't help one man over, especially off of Kevin Love, who to that point had had a great game. He finishes the game 28 points, 8 of 20 shooting, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc. Add to that 10 rebounds, double-double for Kevin Love. This is a tough team, even without Kyrie Irving. I would honestly, I would venture to say the Hornets may have had a better shot with Kyrie Irving on the floor because it just seemed like LeBron James was more aggressive early on, more focused, wasn't looking to get both Kevin Love and Kyrie into their rhythm. So, could have had a better shot. Now, I don't know if Kimball Walker would have had 37 points in that instance because Kimball Walker had to match up against DeAndre Liggins in this case instead of Jordan McRae, who was technically the the backup, the reserve for for Kyrie Irving. But that matchup went to Nick Batum on both ends of the floor. But Kimball Walker just did whatever he wanted to against DeAndre Liggins. It was fun to watch. When he's locked in, when he's when Kimball Walker is aggressive and knows what he wants to do, he can get his shot anywhere on the floor. And it's fun. They didn't have to double him in this game. That was a that was another factor, though. They didn't have to blitz his pick and rolls as often at the end of the game because this thing was out of reach. So it allowed him to get get a few more looks. The Cavaliers did finally start to miss some threes in the second half. They, again, they went two of thirteen after halftime, but they got six offensive rebounds, and the Hornets turned the ball over five times in the second half. Essentially, I think this game came down to a couple of things. In the first half, the Cavaliers' three point shooting was too hot. Too many guys hitting too many threes. A little bit of that was on defensive mistakes. The margin of error is so low in these games. That's the thing you have to understand. That I think the Cavaliers probably win this game nine out of ten times. That's how low the margin of error is. So you're going to allow certain – and Clifford recognized this after the game. LeBron James, if he's hitting his threes over tough defense, nothing you can do about that. There were a few mistakes. So you're you're really asking the Hornets to play perfect defense to have a shot at winning this basketball game. That's how tough it is to play the Cleveland Cavaliers. Too many extra possessions, though, in the second half where they had a shot. In the fourth quarter, they made another run. Got the thing down to 8-10. To so it was within reach, but ultimately, uh, Marvin Williams, Frank Kaminsky could not hit key open looks. Too many extra possessions for the Cavaliers that killed the opportunities to to fully make a run to to get this thing uh, back into contention. And the Cavaliers are good at throwing things at you that you don't expect. They basically ignored Tristan Thompson for the entire first half and then started pounding the rock to him to begin the second half. A tectonic shift in their offensive strategy that the Hornets, I don't know if they weren't ready for it necessarily or they just, I don't know. But Tristan, 
was able to get things going early in the second half. And it's a, it's a thing, it's a luxury that the Cavaliers have that they can experiment, as we saw in the first game when they went with LeBron James, Channing Fry, and three scrubs. It's, it's something that the Cavaliers can do. They can put Kay Felder on the floor because you have LeBron James and Kevin Love. Hornets' next game is tonight in Chicago. Tip-off set for 8 o'clock p.m. This should be a good one. You can watch this nationally on NBA TV or on the local broadcast, Fox Sports Southeast. We're going to have a preview of that game coming up here in a few minutes. But first, we're in 2017. We're in the new year. I hope you had a fun New Year's. I certainly did. I was in Uptown Charlotte for the crown drop, similar to the ball drop. It doesn't drop very far, but it does... They have a, you know, Queen City crown, crown dropped. Everyone had a good time in Romare Bearden Park right outside of the minor league baseball stadium. It was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful sight. The city coming together. The mayor spoke. This is a wonderful city. You get a great view of Uptown Charlotte in Romare Bearden because you kind of sit low. You can see some of the skyscrapers and, and a lot of them just popping up now. A lot of, a lot of new building, new construction going on in Uptown Charlotte. It's a wonderful city. I know, I know we have a lot of listeners that are from the Charlotte area, but we also have a lot of listeners that are some international. Shout out to the, the listeners in Australia. But if, if, you, if you're not from Charlotte and you ever get a chance to visit, please do. Wonderful city. Open for business, Charlotte. But we're looking ahead to 2017. What do the Hornets need to compete with the top of the East and stay ahead of the Hawks? both within their own team and maybe looking without, looking outside of their team. Should they go after a player? I personally don't think that they're going to be extremely aggressive on the trade market. I think maybe a small move could be in order. I don't think, as is popular amongst punditry, that the Hornets necessarily need to go and look for an alternative backup point guard option. I don't think that Ramon Sessions has played amazing basketball. He's certainly not the scoring threat that Jeremy Lin is or was last season, but they do not need him to be. First of all, the offense is doing pretty well right now. Sixth in offensive rating over the last five games shooting the basketball particularly well in the mid range. I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm going to break that down here in a second, but first I just want to get back on Ramon sessions. He is a, this is his role on the team. It is not Jeremy Lin's role. That role goes to Marco Bellinelli, who should return from that sprained ankle injury soon. No, Ramon sessions role is to organize the offense. He has defensive deficiencies. That's true. If they wanted to go find a defensive lockdown point guard to back up Kimba Walker, you might be able to sell me on that. But the issue is, if you went out and found that guy, he'd have to learn the system. Ramon Sessions knows the system. He he has a, a really high assist rate. I heard someone in the crowd in this Cavaliers game saying, Ramon never passes the ball. That's ridiculous. He's been passing the ball a ton this season and very efficient when he does so. You know, does he have his 
transition kind of ridiculous rim run sometimes that you you sort of you see it in slow motion like a train wreck and you know it's not going to work out of course but they're rare more often he's passing the ball and finding the open man played really he's playing really well within the system and he's happy doing it or at least it appears so he continues to do it he doesn't need to score so i'm just not on this got to replace Ramon Sessions. Here's what I think they do need. They need they may need an extra shooter because you can see on the starting lineup now they're not playing four out, one in because Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is not hitting three-pointers, not taking three-pointers. We know that's not Cody Zeller's role anymore. It used to be they wanted Cody Zeller to try and move out to the three-point line, take more threes. But that's not happening anymore. He has settled into this role as traditional, well, somewhat traditional big man, but he's more of a, a quick, you know, running big man. That That's his skill. That's his asset apart from, you know, three-point shooting. He's not going to do that. He's never going to do that. That was a coat that did not fit. It was a fat guy in a little coat situation. Not going to fit. And it looks like it's not fitting on MKG either. And if you look at the second unit, Ramon Sessions tried to improve his three-point shooting, was hitting one or two, one or two a game for a stretch there. That's gone away. Frank Kaminsky, we've profiled his struggles, and, and the NBA, uh, NBA.com has profiled his struggles in, in hitting open three-point shots. It's not happening at the rate that they need it to. Marco is playing well. They don't have him right now, and you can see it in the stats, by the way. I said they're sixth in offensive rating over the last five, but also over the last five, the Bulls and the Hornets, who the Hornets are going to play on uh, tonight, last two worst teams, Hornets 29th, Bulls 30th in three-point shooting percentage. And the Hornets in the last five, 21st in free throw attempt rate. So they're not even getting to the line as much. What's happening? So why are the Hornets sixth in offensive rating? Well, it's because they're they're doing magnificently far above league average in the mid-range. Nick Batum's offensive surge with it has not come the three-point shot. It's been his ability to back guys down or find ways to get open mid-range shots. Kimball Walker's mid-range game has improved over this last five, ten-game stretch. But ask the Bulls. The Bulls did the same thing, by the way. They started by shooting a three-point shot really well, and then that went away. And so late November, early December, they were winning basketball games because Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, and Rajon Rondo were were knocking down mid-range shots, and Taj Gibson, who always does it, knocking down mid-range shots at an incredible rate, just like the Hornets. But ask the Bulls what happened. That went away, and it will go away for the Hornets too, which is why I think Steve Clifford is stressing defense, 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 because he knows this offensive, it's, it's Pyrrhic. It's fool's gold. The three-point attempts are down. The three-point shooting percentage is down. That's not on trend with, what, with how NBA offenses are, are structured in this day, and it's not how the Hornets' offense has been structured. So I think they could use a three and D guy. They got to get a two-way player, maybe, and, and really they need to infuse some athleticism into this team as well. 
someone that can shoot the three, play defense. That's hard to find. (laughs) Those guys in the trade market are not going to come cheap. And then an athletic and defensive four, somebody that they can they can sub in, play alongside of Frank Kaminsky, or play alongside of really play alongside of Frank Kaminsky because then you can stretch the floor a bit, but have that athletic defensive four who could guard fives if he needed to. Those are two things I think they could go out and get in the trade market. And then just within the team. They do have to start shooting the three-point shot better. I just went through the stats. Roy, going to college basketball for a second, Roy Williams in this uh, uh, horrible defeat that Carolina took to uh, Georgia Tech in college basketball. After the game, Roy Williams said something interesting. To Well, he said it after the game, but he said it to his team at halftime. He said, if you're going to be tough enough to take the shot, You have to be tough enough to make the shot. It's a great, kind of has some, uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man, kind of a cool cool feel off the tongue. If you're going to be tough enough to take the shot, you got to be tough enough to make the shot. And I think that's where where the Hornets are right now with their shooting. They have to take more threes. They've got to make more threes. But let me just say, offense... Playing well right now, but I think long-term, they've got to find some answers to their shooting and play tougher defense. I have to always put that in parentheses, and play tougher defense. Hornets are in Chicago, set to take on the Bulls tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. Again, you can watch that on NBA TV or Fox Sports Southeast. The Bulls are trying to turn the tide after a tough December where – They went 6 of 11. They're on a two-game losing streak right now, losing by 10 to Indiana and 20 to Milwaukee. The Hornets won the first matchup of the year, 103 to 91 in Charlotte just over a week ago. That was the Nick Batum giveaway game, and Nick Batum had a triple-double in that game. Right now, the Bulls are, are a little mired in controversy. They have benched Rajon Rondo. They're starting Michael Carter Williams who was acquired from Milwaukee in the offseason in exchange for Tony Snell and then had a, a significant injury and, and missed a good portion of this season. Has only been back for the last four or five games. But now all of a sudden he's starting because, as Fred Hoiberg put it, Rajon Rondo has looked a step slow. Concerned about, concerns about his health. But Rondo says, I'm fine. I'm Rajon Rondo. So there's a little bit of weirdness going on in Chicago and some talks of maybe, you know, Rondo met with the, the general manager of the Bulls. Maybe some talks of moving Rondo. It might be a topic of conversation of Locked On Hornets Live on Tuesday. You want to check that out. Join us live. Get in the conversation. 6 o'clock p.m. YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. You can see us live in studio and chat with us, ask us any questions, ask us maybe should the Hornets look to go out and acquire Rondo as the backup point guard. You probably already know my thought on that, but maybe my co-host Justin Thomas will disagree. What's the key to the game tonight? The key to the game for me will be to do the things that the Hornets are founded on. 
what are those things? Well, it's guard without fouling, keep the other team off the offensive glass, and get back in transition. Why should the, why should the Hornets do those things? Well, other than the fact that that's what they're founded on. That's the simple answer. But the other answer is it's because it stops all of the things that the Bulls are founded on, the things that make the Bulls successful this season. The Hornets have to win the free throw battle. In their first matchup of the season, the Hornets made 24 of 28 free throws, held the Bulls to 8 of 10. The Bulls love to get to the line. They have 19 games this season where they've made 20 or more free throws. That leads the league. Jimmy Butler especially loves to get to the line. The Hornets did a great job of limiting his opportunities in the first game. And it takes, if that team can't get to the line, first of all, it's not a it's not a powerful outside shooting offense, so they need that to score points. But it also takes them out of rhythm a little bit. The Bulls also lead the league in offensive rebounding. They are 11th in fast break points and are 11-4 and four when they score more fast break points than their opponent. Now, to be fair, over the last five, that number has dipped significantly. They've slowed down. Part of that could have to do with Michael Carter-Williams getting inserted into the lineup and there being a little bit of an issue of trying to there's a figuring out that's happening right now when you insert a guy who hasn't played all season for Rajon Rondo, who has. They're going to be figuring some things out. You can't, hey, by the way, you can turn over Michael Carter Williams. I think Kimball Walker has to be aggressive defensively in this game. Make MCW think. And Nick Batum off ball has to be looking to, to, to get steals as well. He's been very good at stealing the basketball this year. I think the Hornets could get out to transition. They were were very successful in transition against the Cavaliers. Early offense, MKG early on in that game, was successful scoring the basketball in the paint. Again, right now, the Hornets are finding substitutes for the fact that they can't shoot the three-pointer. That's one of them. But all in all, I think that's what makes this such a good matchup for the Hornets. The Bulls do things well that the Hornets know how to stop or not even know how to stop. Just that's how they're built. They're built to stop teams from rebounding the basketball on the offensive boards. The Bulls are great at getting second chance opportunities. The Hornets have been lately over the last five, 10 games are top five in the league in second chance points. They've done a great job of that as well. And I noticed it's probably probably been going on all season. I just happened to notice against the Cleveland Cavaliers, their strategy for offensive rebounding, which is to send the seven-footer Cody Zeller to the rim, disrupt things through two or three opposing players, tap the ball, and then MKG tracks it. He sort of hangs back, doesn't actively go after the ball until it's been tipped. And then MKG, with his athleticism, long arms, and just nose for the ball, finds it. And Calamity James on Twitter correctly pointed out that's the OKC strategy as well with uh, Stephen Adams, Enos Cantor, and then Russell Westbrook being the tracker. Great strategy. We've often noted that Cody Zeller, MKG, the only two guys with the green light, the golden ticket that says, hey, you can go after offensive rebounds. Everybody else get back in transition. Bulls don't shoot the three ball well, which the Hornets have a real problem stopping. This this may be just the Hornets may just be a matchup team. There are teams 
that they're going to match up well with, like the Bulls, like the Pacers, and teams that they are not, like the Cavaliers, maybe the Raptors. I think the Celtics, that's the team. That's the linchpin. They've got to find a way to beat the Boston Celtics because the Celtics don't shoot the three ball particularly well. They've got to find a way to beat the Celtics. I think that's the, you know, if, if that's the potential second round matchup, that's the one they have to look at. But the Celtics would have to, I mean, to be that second round matchup, they'd have to crawl up to the second spot above Toronto. And I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. All right, come back here tomorrow for a recap of this game and more. That's all the time we have here on this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to check out Locked On Panthers, by the way. I know the season's over. I get it. It's been a tough season. But the coverage is going to continue with Steve Reed, the Associated Press reporter here in, in, in Charlotte. He covers the team. He's inside. And there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of changes around the Carolina Panthers. So you want to make sure you're locked on Panthers. Subscribe to that podcast on iTunes as well. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets for some live tweeting of the game tonight. And while you're there, give us a five star review. It it not only boosts my ego, I enjoy it, and I occasionally read them on on the podcast here, but it also helps fans like yourself find this podcast because it it shoots us up the rankings. And so when people search you know, zeros and ones, beep, boop, bop, somehow, you know, those five-star reviews end up helping us uh, rise to the top. So please do that for us if you can. And then, of course, tell someone, tell a friend, get on Twitter, retweet us, tweet about us. That's going to help um, other people join this podcasting revolution. We do things differently here, by the way. This isn't your normal podcast. And we really enjoy it and we really appreciate every time uh, you listen. Shoot us your Hornets questions and your thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. For the entire team here at Locked On Hornets, I'm Doug saying, Go Hornets, go America, beat the Bulls. Let's swarm Charlotte. So, what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Tonight?